You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, this is Matt Rogers. And this is Bowen Yang. In a world that sometimes feels uncertain, where communities can be disconnected, there are beacons of hope in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network. They believe that the people living all around you are your best bet at creating meaningful social bonds and preparing you for the next big weather event. Whether it's lending a helping hand to a neighbor in need or standing together in times of natural disaster, Neighbor to Neighbor empowers you to grow your community. Visit caneighbors.com to learn how you can help build a more Connected community. Hi, this is Dr. Joy. In a world that sometimes feels uncertain, where communities can be disconnected, there are beacons of hope in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network. They believe that the people living all around you are your best bet at creating meaningful social bonds and preparing you for the next big weather event. Whether it's lending a helping hand to a neighbor in need or standing together in times of natural disaster, Neighbor to Neighbor empowers you to grow your community. Visit caneighbors.com to learn how you can help build a more connected community. Neighbor to neighbor. It takes a neighborhood. Hello and welcome to the Break a Bat podcast where baseball meets Broadway. An attempt to show that my two favorite mediums don't have to live in such separate worlds and maybe even break some stigmas. We're happy to have you with us. Now let's play ball. Hello and welcome to Break a Bat. I'm your host, Al Malafrante, and tonight we're joined by someone who's particularly special to the baseball world, not only for what he did on the field, but the impact he's made off of it. My guest today pitched in the big leagues for 26 seasons, the second most ever played by anyone in baseball history, and did so while performing at an all-star caliber level. He made four all-star teams, he pitched in three World Series, and he retired with 288 lifetime wins, a number that's still good for 26th all-time in the Major League record books. The UCL surgery in which he pioneered as a player in 1974 has paved the way for countless injured baseball players to continue performing, and that surgery has since been renamed in his honor. He's one of the true good guys in baseball. If you'll please turn your attention to home plate, just beyond the marquee, now batting, Tommy John. Tommy, welcome to the batter's box. Oh, I missed. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Thank you. Thanks for having me on. You know, when you get to be 77 like I am, God, it's good to be just asked to do anything. (laughs) <laughs> and I don't want you to think that we discriminate against pitchers with the now batting thing, as you probably figured that pun just suits our show title. <laughs> I think pitchers should be able to hit. They should be able to bunt. They should be able to run bases, slide at second base uh, instead of just pitch. Uh, the worst thing that happened to baseball, in my opinion, is the uh, designated hitter. It. It's taken away, well, it's added one more slot for, for, the, uh, or, uh, for the Players Association to put a player in making big money. But the whole game is you pitch, you hit, you run. If you want to throw up high and tight to somebody, okay, fine. Then you got to have the stones to stand in there and get it back at you. That, that's my opinion. Now, Tommy, you may or may not know that our show is all about celebrating great performance on the grandest of stages. You primarily pitch for the Yankees and Dodgers, two of the most prestigious franchises in baseball history. 
Stone's throws from Broadway and Hollywood certainly have different vibes in both places. Which stage did you enjoy performing on the most? Ownership-wise, the Dodgers. The O'Malley family treated you like you were their son. Uh, and that's that was their thing. You're part of the Dodger family. Uh, organizationally, fans and all that, no question, Yankees. Uh, it's I remember... My first game as a Yankee, we lost on Friday, Good Friday. Gidry lost to Milwaukee. Ed Figueroa lost Saturday, so I'm pitching Easter Sunday. And I come to the ballpark, and as I'm going in to my the clubhouse, I cut through where the manager's office is. And right as I get through that door, out walks Steinbrenner. This is it. This is why I got you. I got you for this. This is the most important game of your life. I said, George, it's the third game of the season. If we lose this game and then win all the rest, it's 159 and three. No, that's not. And I went, whoa, this is what it's like to be a Yankee. Now I go out to the game. I start the game. Ball one, ball two, ball three, ball four. And the fans are booing. Uh, Robin Yount is the second hitter, ball one. Now I pitched five pitches as a Yankee, five balls. John, you suck. Go back to L.A. You, uh, you know, I mean, I was throwing the ball like Brittany for Pete's sake. And, um, I mean, I couldn't hit a bowl in the butt with a base fiddle. And, yeah, some of it was, was nerves wanting to perform. Well, I got out of that inning with only giving up one run. And they took me out in the seventh inning. We were up two to one or three to one. And they brought Gossage in to pitch seven, eight, nine. A closer pitching three innings. My God, you can't do that. The goose went seven, eight, nine, boom. We win the ball game. And I go on to win like the next four, five, six games. Now I'm six and oh. And the same people that were yelling, you suck, are now my, the guys that want to buy me a beer in the restaurant where we're eating, you know. And, but the fans in New York are the best, the absolute best. They'll let you know if you're good or you're bad or what they're thinking. I loved it. Now you were here right in the heart of the early Steinbrenner years. The Bronx Zoo was a strong driver. I uh, I like to equate George to a Broadway producer with a huge personality. What do you remember about the free agent negotiations when he took you out of LA and brought you over to the Yankees? He was pretty direct. Uh, I never had any conversation with him. Uh, my agent did. Um, we flew in to New York right after Thanksgiving, right before Christmas. And we were going to do the contract. He meets us at LaGuardia. Uh, my agent, his wife, my wife and me, we fly from LA, LaGuardia. George comes in, hi, George Steinbrenner, George Steinbrenner, George Steinbrenner. And he turns and walks and he leaves us with Al Rosen. And Al said, don't worry about George. That's the way he is. And But that was George. George was just in his Broadway, um, I think, was it No No Nanette? 
the play that he owned, I think it was, he liked star quality. That's why he went out to get good players. He wanted that star because that brought people to the ballpark. It's funny you mentioned that uh, that Broadway parallel there. Uh, when you were pitching here, there were a lot of great shows on Broadway that premiered. I mean, Evita, Les Mis, there was a lot of the Lloyd Webber stuff. Like- you know, my son, uh, my late son, Taylor, was Gavroche in Les Miserables. Is that right? He was there for two years. He was on the road for one, and then he was one year on Broadway. And... Um, he did something that a 10-year-old kid would never, ever do. He quit. He quit Broadway. Yeah. He said, I want to go down to Florida. He said, I want to go down to Florida with my uh, with my brothers and play baseball. And so he walked away. So when you were pitching for the Yankees, did you have a lot of guys in that clubhouse that used to like to catch their fix of Broadway? Uh, I don't know very many did. Uh, I think that, um, I know I did. I, I love to go. Uh, when we were with the Angels or the White Sox, there was a guy that, um, oh, I can't think of his name now, um, 77 years old. They told me it would happen. Uh, <laughs> but um, he would, we would call him up and say, what's, what's good on Broadway? Oh, I got tickets for this show Saturday night. Okay. And he would give us free tickets to go to these shows. And God, it was fun. I mean, man, alive, fun. Oh, gee whiz. What are some of the shows that send out to you? Cats. I love cats because we're a cat. We were a cat family. Um, loved them. And um, Evita. I love musicals. I, I didn't like plays. You know, but I love music. I love to listen to them sing and the orchestras and all that. It was, um, and then when Taylor was on Broadway, you know, you got to meet the guys um, doing the uh, the music, and my God, were they good! And they, you know, Saturday night, Sunday afternoon, Wednesday afternoon, they would tee it up and go for it. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I can't even imagine what that period must have been like. And, you know, fortunately, uh, we still have a lot of, we only have, I'd like to think that we only have the best out there representing uh, Broadway and the orchestra. And it really is such a great experience. And, you know, obviously Yankee Stadium in the late 70s was no different. And when you came over here, it was such an interesting time because 
you came over in 79. It was fresh off the back-to-back titles. Most of that nucleus of that 77, 78 team was still together. Uh, there were certainly a lot of big personalities that had to mesh in order to win. Uh, you being the type of guy you were, you had obviously had some big success prior to your time here. How do you acclimate yourself to a clubhouse like that? They're teammates. They're just, they're buddies. And, um, you know, it was funny. When I was with the White Sox, I went over. Uh, everybody was going out to play golf. And I never got invited. And then my first start in spring training, um, I pitched three innings, shut out ball. The next day, they were having more uh, golf. I get invited. How did I get invited? Because I pitched well. And I found out the better I pitched, uh, the, the better I pitched, the more invitations I got. You know, Tommy, there's quite a few demanding directors here on Broadway who sometimes irk their cast uh, in the ways they try to drive results from their team. Is it safe to say that your manager, Billy Martin, was one of those guys? Billy didn't have a clue. I was not a Billy Martin fan, and Billy wasn't a Tommy John fan. That I can tell you. I, I got a report during spring training. He was sitting there with Cleet Boyer and Art Fowler, the erstwhile pitching coach that couldn't teach pitching to anybody. But um, he's sitting there and he said, how the F? Does this guy win with the shit he throws? Now, here your manager is saying that. So what does he think about you? He thinks that you can't pitch. But that was Billy. He was, I, I thought, I didn't have good vibes with Billy, and Billy didn't have with me. I like Bob Lemon. I love Dick Hauser. Dick Hauser was outstanding. And unfortunately, Mike Ferrara waved Willie Randolph home on that uh, throw from left field, and he got thrown out, and Steinbrenner filed for Ferrara, and Hauser says, if you're going to fire him, you might as well fire me. And George says, okay, you're gone too. You know, but that's the way it was. It, it was just um, – uh, but I love, I, I love I pitching on the road. When I was with the Yankees, I loved pitching at Fenway Park. Loved it. Uh, I loved pitching um, with the Ange- uh, against the Angels out there, big crowds. Uh, when I was with the Dodgers, I loved pitching in Cincinnati and Philly. Big crowds, boisterous, yelling at me, telling me I couldn't pitch, and I was this, I was that. I loved that. It made it fired me up actually it fired me up that uh, i i got a chance to um you know to play a little better that's so fascinating to me um you know tommy there's a lot of yankee fans here in new york um there are that i think <laughs> yes there are but there's a lot of them that are still pained by that loss to the dodgers in the 81 world series and you certainly did your part to help the team win. You gave up all of what, one run in the two games you started. Yeah, it was George Frazier lost three. Yeah. <laughs> they still kept trotting him out there. Well, that's when Bob Lemon, um, I, I got a call from uh, my internist out here. Uh, he texts me and my phone goes, bing, bing. And I looked on it and it was Eddie Pacino. And I, I like to have a, an internist with the last name of Pacino. 
So, <laughs> so he said, hey, I'm watching you pitch an 81 World Series. And I, I went back. I said, we already taped that. Uh, it was on the week before. And uh, we taped it. And people that never saw me pitch got a chance. I pitched four innings of game four. Gave up one run. That's the only run I gave up in like 13 or 14 innings. And Lim comes up and he says, uh, I'm taking you out for a pinch hitter. What? I said, who are you bringing in? He said, Frazier. I said, he hasn't pitched good all, all series. Don't tell me how to manage. And I go, I'm not telling you how to manage. I'm just telling you, you know, if you're going to take me out, Bring Gossage in. Uh, we can't bring him in. He, he's got to be for the save. Well, there is no save because Frazier gave up five or six runs, whatever it was. But be that as it may, I found out later through a guy named Doug Melvin, who was the Baltimore Orioles general manager, Steinbrenner with his football background. And um, he had a, a meeting every day before the game with his coaches, manager, game plan. This is my game plan. Okay. In baseball, there is no game plan. The score is the game plan. You know, you see, and George's was get a lead early and then go to your bullpen and win it out of the bullpen. Okay. All right. We'll do that. But um, then that's what Lim, being a good soldier, he tried to do what George wanted, and it just doesn't work that way. You think there's any truth to the story that Steinbrenner got into a fist fight in the elevator after that? Yes. Yes. There is whole truth to that. Did you guys ever reconcile in the years after your time with the Yankees? Oh, I never got in a fight with George. George was okay. Um, I remember I came back. I got released by Oakland in 85. Angels let me go because I was embarrassing Mrs. Autry and Gene Autry. I was embarrassing both of them with my pitching. Okay. All right. And I told her, I said, Jackie, I'm embarrassing you. I said, I'm embarrassing myself. And she said, well, Gene and I are just appalled. And why don't you quit? And um, we'll put you up in the in the booth and you can do TV or whatever you, you want to do. So, Jackie, I want to pitch. I, I want to pitch. So I must have perturbed her to the point that she um, let me go. About June, middle of June, something like that. And I signed with Oakland. OK, I go with Oakland. And then they released me, and I said um, I wanted to pitch. There weren't any. I, I sent out letters, so I sent a letter. I called uh, Clyde King, who was general manager for the Yankees, and uh, I said, "Look, all I want to do, I probably get released out of spring training. All I want to do is retire from baseball as a Yankee." And he said, well, give me a chance. I'll talk to the boss and we'll see what it is. So uh, about 10 days, two weeks, he uh, 
calls me back and he said, the boss said you could come back, but you had to keep your mouth shut. <laughs> I said, well, you tell him that he's the reason I act like this. I said, when I came in, I said, I was Mr. Doubtfire for Pete's sake. I said, I was the biggest wimp. But I wouldn't say squat. And being around George for as long as I was, um, I said, he's the one that made me like this. It, you know, well, so I came back and um, I pitched a good game against the Mets. And Dallas Green, if you recall, was the manager then. And Dallas, uh, no, it wasn't 85. I forget who the manager was in 85. Now my memory's gone. Pinella. Yeah, Lou was. And Lou just says, hey, you know, do what you want to do and we'll go from there. I said, okay. That's fine. And son of a gun, I made the ball club out of spring training, but they didn't take me with the team. I had to stay down in Fort Lauderdale. And then every fourth day, I would fly over to Tampa and I would pitch. Then I'd fly back to Fort Lauderdale. The Yankees had spring training in Fort Lauderdale. The minor league teams had spring training in Tampa. So I flew over there. I got myself ready. Um, I pitched a couple of um, uh, inter-squad games in Fort Lauderdale against the minor league team there. And they send me up to New York. This is how <laughs> I walk into the clubhouse. I said, hey, Lou, how you doing? He said, what are you doing here? I said, I'm coming up to pitch. You are? He gets on the phone. What's going on? You didn't tell me this. And I said, uh, uh oh, uh, there's been a breakdown in communication. But uh, I went up and I pitched and I pitched. And all of a sudden, I, I, I did good in 86. 87, I did even better. And then 88, 89, I started losing, losing interest. Um, there, you know, there were things that I wanted to do with my kids that I couldn't do. And, um, so I just, uh, you know, when you lose interest, you lose that zest and I lost the zest. It's so interesting, Tommy. I've had a number of Broadway performers on here and obviously it's a little bit different because in baseball, you know, quite often there's an expiration date. And we've had some performers on here like Kate Rockwell and Robin Herter who have talked about, you know, kind of losing that juice, um, you know, what they're doing. And they've gone on to have some of their greatest career milestones since after they rediscovered their passion. You're in a position that I find particularly interesting, especially in the sense that you have a legacy that goes beyond just what you did on the field, um, obviously because of you know the injury that you experienced, the right. surgery that you did to overcome it. And I know that you and your son have done quite a bit of research in hopes of calling attention to arm injuries among younger players. Right. But there's been such a rise in the number of Tommy John surgeries over the years. What do you make of the way they're grooming kids who want to grow up and be major league pitchers? Well, the kids need to spend more time climbing trees and doing things like that then going to baseball camps, pitching camps, and all this. 
the parents want to see little Johnny be an all-star. And they send him to the uh, Lupinella hitting camp down in Tampa. Well, that may be okay, but the kid's a kid. Let him, let him be a kid. And then as he starts getting older and you start seeing, hmm, he's got, he's got pretty good stuff, uh, then you go for it. But um, parents are the problem. It's not the kids. It's not baseball. It's the parents. The parents want the kids to be uh, all around all-star ball players, and they'll pay anything to get the kid to, to play and be good, but, you know. You're on Broadway. That's become a thing, too, and you have some wonderful institutions that are teaching kids, and the pros are teaching kids. Um, and quite often, it's more the parents' dream than it is the kids' dream. That's right. And, yeah. you know, another big issue, and I want to get your take on this, that we've had, especially in the theater industry, is how there's become less focus on craft and technique. When you have a lot of hopeful up-and-coming performers who are mo more focused on their brand rather than how effective they are as performers, True. that's a big issue. And I feel like in baseball, with the young kids who get called up to the big leagues, there's often a notion of, I can throw 95 uh, or this turbo yep. sink. I'm 21. Be damned if what I'm doing with my pitch selection is yielding the most effective result. And I should probably throw this change up to this hitter here with two strikes. But I'd rather get myself on Sports Center tonight by striking him out with a spectacle pitch and maybe gain a few extra thousand followers on social media because of that. Have you noticed that around baseball as well? Well, the game now is being managed uh, and coached with radar guns. It doesn't make any difference. And I said, I, I asked somebody, I, I forget who it was. I said, why don't we go back to the days when you were a good pitcher if you got batters out? If you didn't get batters out, don't make any difference how hard you throw. You're, you aren't any good. Let's get batters out. Let's teach them sinker, change up. Look at Greg Maddox. He was a hard thrower. And then he went over to the Cubs and they taught him the sinker and the curveball and, and the, that awesome change up of his. And he was, uh, he, he was tough. I mean, God, he would, he'd stand out there and throw strike after strike after strike. On the uh, out, if you're a left-handed hitter on the outside black, and then he'd throw that changeup, and then he would bust a fastball in and strike you out. But um, I, I just think we've we've gotten to the point in baseball that um, it's all about how hard you throw, how fast you run, how much do you weight lift, you know, um, and and and. I think that has that has a lot to do with the injuries. What do you make of these bat flips these days, and and you know this different brand that baseball is in some ways trying to embrace, but purists like you and I would probably scoff at. <laughs> it's just those guys wanting to be studs, and they don't know how to be, and so they flip a bat and think that they're they're awesome. How would you have handled that? you know, in, with your generation of players? Me? I wouldn't throw at them unless they did it to embarrass me. 
But if they hit the ball out of the ballpark and they, they hit it 450 feet, maybe they should flip the bat. And I'm the one that somebody should take a swing at because I was the one that gave the, gave the ball up. But um, uh, it's just eh, guys being guys that they haven't been. If I would have done that when I was a kid, my dad would have taken me and yanked my butt back on the bench and set me down. And I wouldn't have played again until I learned how to play baseball. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tommy, do you still enjoy watching the game? I don't watch baseball. When did he stop? When I got out of the game and I, I went back and I, I managed... I managed in the minor leagues. I managed in the expo organization for two years, or coached, I mean. And then uh, I coached in the Yankee organization for one year. I, I managed Staten Island. And they had so many rules on pitching. I was out of pitchers 10 days into the season. I'm done. I'm out of pitchers. So I call up Mark Newman. Head of the minor leagues, I marked. I'm out of pitchers. Ah, throw your first baseman. I said, throw my first baseman. I said, Mark, this is the New York Yankees. This is the Staten Island Yankees. This is not some bush league team. No, I said I won't do it. I said I'll I'll pitch before that, and um, they, they just all these regulations and stuff. And it never made them better. That's the thing. It never made the players better. And look how far it got the Yankees when they had Jabba, Hughes, and Ian Kennedy as these prime prospects and all these rules and shifting them back and forth to the bullpen to watch their innings. Look at how it blew up their careers. None of them fulfilled the potential that they were hyped to. It's crazy. Exactly right. I don't know. That's why I, I got out. I tell you, the most fun I had uh, managing in baseball, I managed in the Atlantic League, uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut. I had more fun with that and those kids. They're going no place. They're going no place. And uh, But they, they were out there playing hard, trying to get back into organized baseball. And it just, it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Tommy, there's a rumor going around that there's a Tommy John movie in the works. Break some bats and break some news for us tonight. What do we got on that front? Well, that's easier said than done. Um, it's You're trying to get funding. 
we've we've got two or three people. Donnie Most, remember Donnie Most? Oh, uh, Pot? No, not Potsy, uh Ralph Mouth, yeah, Ralph. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, he wants to do the show. I mean, do the m- movie, and we just have to get the funding and get everything in place. But um, you know. Uh, hopefully somewhere down the line, maybe they can get it out before I die. <laughs> you know, for the Broadway fans at home, Donnie Most actually did an episode or two of Glee as uh, Emma's father, I believe. In the uh, that that was a, that was a fun episode. Uh, so yeah, there's definitely some Broadway ties there. <laughs> uh, we'll uh, we'll definitely provide the folks at home with some links in our uh, episode description. You know, as far as yeah. uh, thank uh, some- you great causes and uh you know tommy we do one final segment to wrap the show it's called okay. Fastball derby uh we ask you a question and you say the first thing that comes to your head how does that sound okay lay it on me favorite new york city meal um fresco by scotto if you could star in one broadway show what would it be les miserables which role would you play valjean what is it about that show that's so special to you, Tommy? Because my son was in it, and I only saw it about 75 times. And <laughs> I just, there's, there wasn't a bad song in it. There was not a bad song in it. And uh, I got to know Richard J. Alexander, uh, who was the George Steinbrenner of Les Mis. And um, he ran a tough ship, a tight ship, a good ship, but uh, I liked the show. I, I liked the music. It was, it stayed in your mind, you know. This means my next question, your all-time favorite show tune. How do you do? My name's Garrosh. These are my people. Here's my patch. Not much to look at. Nothing posh. Nothing that you caught up from scratch. Here we are, Thumbel High Society. I don't know. <laughs> that was great. We would have to get a. Uh, we got to contact Broadway Records here. This is awesome. <laughs> Keep going, Tommy. <laughs> uh, That's a great one. How about um? Let's leave the Les Mis uh, universe yeah. for a minute. Do you have a favorite Broadway actor or actress? I like the girl that uh, I'm trying to think of her name that played in Cats. Les Calloway? No, she made golf clubs, didn't she? <laughs> Wait, uh, uh, no, she, no, no, she's a big Mets fan, though. We're not uh, gonna. No, she's a Mets fan. Yeah, she's a friend of the show too, actually. Okay, no, I don't. Um, I like uh, uh, the gal that played Evita. Okay. Don't cry for me, Argentina. This is awesome. <laughs> I gave it my best. <laughs> Tommy, you got some voice. I love it. I you. got no voice. That's why I pitched. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not sure if you saw Cece and Mark Deshera have uh, done a couple stints in Rock of Ages. Maybe you'll be the next guy. Cece who? Sabathia. He sings? I don't think he had a singing part, neither did Tex, but... Uh, oh, okay, okay. How was <laughs> that, that body? <laughs> All-time favorite film? All-time favorite film? Field of Dreams. You know what? All the guy wanted to do was have a catch with his dad. 
That was the essence of the show. And when that came out, Tommy started crying. I had tears running down my face. I said, I would love to bring my dad back and just play catch with him one last time. I'd nail him in the chest, but you know. It's such a father and son game. And that's how it is. It is. Yeah. Special in that way. Yeah. Toughest hitter you ever had to face. Well, statistically, it was Ned Yost. And I never recall Ned Yost getting a hit off of me, but he was 12 for 14. (laughs) And, um, but the guy that I hated to face, I could never make a good pitch to Ken Griffey Sr. I said, I could get Junior out. He's, he was a piece of cake. But he was only 12 then. So <laughs> that, uh, but uh, Senior, but the best hitter I ever saw was Wade Box. How about a guy you owned? Well, Pete Rose. Pete Rose had me in the top three of the toughest pitchers he had to face. Jim Brewer, Tommy John, Randy Jones. And we all pitched the same. Balls down and away, down and away, down and away. Pete didn't like that. But I own Pete. Proudest moment of your career? Proudest moment of my career is when Steinbrenner let my son Travis in um, 1981. Uh, after the strike, we're back out playing. And um, he fell out of a third-story window down um, at Point Pleasant, and he was in a coma for 17 days. And he came back out of it, and Steinbrenner asking to throw out the first pitch of the first game at Yankee Stadium. Who's pitching the first game at Yankee Stadium? We had two on the road, came back to Yankee Stadium, T-Bones pitching. And I told the umpire, I said, you'll have to excuse me. He said, why? And I said, because I can't see home plate. I'm, I've been crying so hard. And he said, I can't either. I've been crying too. I said, okay, just give me some strikes and then let me pitch myself into it. And I, I didn't pitch real well, but that was the proudest moment to hear 56, 57,000 Yankee fans. Uh, Reggie Jackson came out to be with him and uh, my pregnant wife. And he lifted Travis up like this and put him around. And the people started going, Travis, Travis, Travis. And I went, I'm sitting on the bench. I'm I'm ready to go out and warm up. And I hear hear that and I go, oh, can't uh, uh, this, you know, and I'm crying like a baby. But I go out and I pitch the best I could. And then we beat Oakland and uh, get to the World Series. and. That's when the Dodgers beat us. Unbelievable, Tommy. And um, lastly, what's the best piece of advice anyone ever gave you? My dad, remember who you are and where you come from. He said, whatever you do in baseball, you will forever be Tommy John from Terre Haute, Indiana. That's who you are. Those, that's your roots. That's awesome, Tommy. And um First of all, I can't thank you enough for joining us tonight. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. I've got to know, uh, what shows on Broadway do you want to see? Because I think once we're on the other end of this uh, quarantine, <laughs> I think we got to get you over uh, to 8th Avenue and uh, catching some shows with me and Brittany. Um, 
Well, my daughter and granddaughter have seen Hamilton about 10 times. 10 times. Okay. I'm still oh waiting. God, for they, that. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, they're Hamiltonites. Um, I don't know. I, out here in Palm Springs, uh, the biggest show out here is the Nancy Pelosi strip show. At they have it at one of the clubs there when she comes in and takes her clothes off. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tommy, thank you so much again for joining us tonight. You're welcome. Thank you. Phenomenal. Thanks for having me. God bless. Thanks for listening to Break a Bat. This is produced by the fine folks at the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit and subscribe at bpn.fm slash breakabat. You can find me online at break underscore a underscore bat underscore podcast. And you can also find the Broadway Podcast Network on Instagram at Broadway Podcast Network. It's been so great having you here with us today, and we'll see you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hi, this is Dr. Joy. In a world that sometimes feels uncertain, where communities can be disconnected, there are beacons of hope in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network. They believe that the people living all around you are your best bet at creating meaningful social bonds and preparing you for the next big weather event. Whether it's lending a helping hand to a neighbor in need or standing together in times of natural disaster, Neighbor to Neighbor empowers you to grow your community. Visit caneighbors.com to learn how you can help build a more connected community, neighbor to neighbor. It takes a neighborhood.